Hey everyone, welcome back to the Top Soul Podcast. Been a really busy time for Trent and myself, but hey, we're gonna try to pick this back up and uh, get you guys some more content going on. So, but uh, today's episode is definitely brought to you by this this beer. So, cheers to that. Um, thanks for the sponsorship, Brady, my buddy with Anheuser Busch. Um, just kidding, we're not sponsored by Anheuser Busch, but if they wanted to sponsor us, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but anyway. So, um, a couple things we wanted to talk about here today, I guess. So, we've been doing a lot of soil sampling out in the field down here in Southeast Iowa. Most people, um, most of the corn's already in the ground. Um, there's definitely some beans to, some soybeans to be put in still, but pretty much everything, um, guys have a big jump on stuff. I was up in Minnesota here over the weekend. And there was hardly anything in the ground up there. So, uh, sorry to you guys up further north or in parts of the parts of the world where you haven't been able to get planted yet or get much planted. Um, hopefully, things will turn around for you soon and you'll be able to get going. But down here, I mean, things seem like they're coming up well. Uh, corn that we were looking at today looked pretty good, and soybeans also are coming up and looking awesome. Um, we had some pretty bad wind and and rain and some hail even come through. Um, last night or yesterday and then um, here like so over the weekend and and a couple different storms kind of coming through and looks like there might be some more um, well, I'm sure there'll be more you know coming of course in the future too and but out looking at stuff today and there's definitely some very noticeable differences between corn that was planted into soybeans or planted into into cover crop excuse me corn planted into cover crop is not torn up, it's not tattered like the corn that's doesn't have that protective kind of covering, not necessarily over it, but around it. And that, that corn is looking healthier and, and it's not getting some of those early disease, early uh, influences and early setbacks, I guess, that some of the corn that is just kind of standing out there on its own is getting. So. So that was interesting to see, and I mean, we're you can see on some of my pages and stuff on Facebook or Twitter of what we were planting into, some of the corn we were planting into, and that stuff looks awesome. And um, with our planter all set up, we were able to just cut straight through green standing rye. You know, you're not supposed to be able to do that. We did it, and it works. It looks awesome. And uh, we'll keep posting a lot of pictures of it and keep looking and stuff and see how things shape out, but. So far, it's been, it looks great. So interesting to be able to experiment more with planting into cover crops. It's only our third year ever using cover crops on our farm, and we're able to plant into them. And of course, with soybeans, no big deal. But with the corn, there's a lot of risk to that. But we've made it work really well, and, and even in three years. So pretty awesome. Um, wanted to talk today about quantifying soil health. And what, how, how do we look at soil health at scale? And what does that mean to different groups of people? Um, how do we look at soil health as a farmer? Uh, and for my clients as a crop consultant, you know, what does what do my farmers want to look at as far as soil health? What about when you're purchasing land or investing in land? What are some of those parameters that you want to look at? And um, and then on a larger scale than that too you know what is what's the government groups or non-government groups wanting to look at in the soil 
what are they wanting to track that is going to influence the global impact. You know, they're really looking at carbon sequestration, um, basically taking CO2, of course, out of the atmosphere and, and harboring it in the soil, which may, you can do that through improved biological activity and uh, organic, improving organic matter and structure and whatnot, organic carbon. And, um, but anyway, so starting with the farmers and for me, when I go out there and looking at soil health, I want to know, okay, where's my biological activity at right now? Okay, so that's going to be greatly influenced by the weather and whatnot. That's where we're pulling soil samples weekly to try to figure that out. So I want to know, like I said, where's my biological activity at right now? I want to know what are my nutrients that are available right now, especially my available nutrients being the nitrate, ammonium, and uh, of course I want my P and K and phosphorus, potassium, micronutrients, all that as well. Where am I sitting right now in the growing season when it actually matters what's available? So so we want to be able to get a snapshot of those nutrients and of the biological activity. Next, I want to know, okay, there's my biological activity today when I pull that sample. Now, how is that biological activity going to change? What else is it going to give me? What is that biology going to feed my microbes or feed my, my crop? And that's what it's all about is the crop microbial interactions that's what we have to get working together and uh, foster that relationship that you know millions of years have have brought about and yeah we've we've done a lot to change that I think here over the last couple decades um, so we're we're influencing that a lot but those those base interactions are still there and we need to help to foster those and get those back. So, so like I said, so, okay, so now we know where our nutrients are today, our available nutrients. We need to know where is my biological activity at today. Now I want to know where is my microbe food at today. That's my organic carbon. Microbes eat simple sugar. That's what they're after. In order to eat simple sugar, they have to have basic nitrogen, basic... Um, basic nitrogen because nitrogen pro- produces amino acids or is used to form an amino acids. Amino acids are used to form protein. Protein is used to form enzymes. And the microbes utilize those enzymes to break down the carbon into simple sugars that they can, that they can eat. So um, they have to have very simple food to begin with. So somebody else a lot of times has to eat it first or has to at least break it up into smaller pieces. You know that's why having insects and having the uh, the chewers and the grinders and all that also in the field is super important. So, but anyway, so we're breaking that down now that we can actually look at where's my organic carbon at. That's what they're actually going to be able to eat. Okay, so I know where my biological activity is at. I know where my food is at. If I've got a lot of food, I'm going to be able to keep building microbes. I'm going to be able to keep them happy and functioning and making all those soil processes work. If I don't have food, then they're gonna slow down. They're gonna kinda go dormant. Um, We're gonna lose population. They're gonna die off. They don't have food. Um, Just like animals or or anyone else does. Um, If you don't have food, you can't live. You can't perform the functions that you're wanting to. So now if we know where our nutrients are at, where our biological activity is at, where our carbon is at, where our food is at, 
Now we can look at, okay, what is still to come through the growing season and what can I bank on? Because then I can change my nutrient practices based on that. I can change my in-season applications based on what should be coming available driven by the weather, as driven by the weather. So with that, we're looking at those balances in carbon and nitrogen. I think it's also going to be really interesting to keep looking at fungal and bacteria balances and other new, other microbes as well, like protozoa and nematodes, to look at how are the bigger guys eating the little guys and what is coming out their back end and being plant available. And how do those nutrient processes work and those nutrient cycles work? We can quantify those things now. Um, like I said, using the Haney test to be able to do a lot of that. So that's what I'm interested in with as a farmer looking at soil health is I want to know, okay, where's my nutrients at? Where's my biological activity at? I need to know my physical parameters too. I can go out there. I can see a lot of that. I know how to improve physical parameters. We know that we need to reduce tillage. We know that we need to um, get covers out there. We know we need to get some more diversity going. Um, that we got a long way to go on a lot of those things. But we can improve nutrients and biological activity really rapidly and looking at products to be able to help us to do that. So, so that's what I'm interested at as a farmer, you know, being able to look at basic chemical parameters, basic biological parameters, and going out there and looking and, and testing out my physical parameters in the soil, put together my plans to be able to build upon those, those parameters. I think to look at this in a deeper level, now we really dig into what specific microbes are out there in our soil. Um, how do we change those specific communities? Where's my good guys at? Where's my bad guys at? As far as concentrations and balances in the soil. Um, we need to look at calcium and magnesium and some of those molecular balances in the soil. Taking things to, to a higher level. So interested in getting feedback from you guys too on okay what are those parameters that you're looking at when you're you know this big buzzword on soil health um we need to be able to go out there and quantify that and track it easy and cheap and uh very consistently over time to track and make sure we're going in the right direction but not just going in the right direction we know how to get to the right direction like the basic principles of soil health are are not rocket science. So we know how to improve soil health over time. We know how to do that kind of stuff. It's not that, it's not rocket science, like I said. But in order to make the long-term improvements, we have to be able to pay for this stuff in the short term. And I think we can do that by optimizing those available nutrients, optimizing nutrients that are going up into the crop versus being lost to the water. And we can improve biology along the way to help to do that thus giving us the improved long-term benefit and speeding up some of those long-term benefits. How do we get to better structure, better water holding capacity, better organic matter? How do we get to those things quicker? And I think we can. So interested in what you guys think about that and what you're doing to see where you're at and how do you improve. And uh, there's other things coming that are super um, in-depth, very scientific um, tools uh, to utilize to help look at soil health, but I think it. I think we got to keep it pretty simple, you know, on a farmer end. What can we actually change? What can we actually influence? That's nutrients. That's biology, day-to-day um, -day biology, and uh, and then we can utilize the basic principles of soil health to to get those long-term improvements as well. So, 
Wanted to see what you guys' thoughts are, I guess, on all that. Um, send us some of your cover crops, soil health pictures and whatnot, what you're doing um, out there this year. We're already talking about getting cover crops planted for this fall. We're going to be spreading on a bunch of stuff over the top. We got guys drilling cover crops in. Uh, some cover crops are already in the ground. And guys are getting very creative. It's awesome to see this stuff is moving quick. So um, utilize, you know, make sure that you're experimenting all the time, always changing and documenting those experiments and documenting what you're learning and learning from each other and helping out your neighbors and whatnot as well and helping out those around you and uh, scaling that up by sharing what you're learning on social media. We'd love to help tell that story as well. So we're going to keep ramping up and um, helping to tell that story about more people, but we'll get back in with Trent and um, see what he's been looking at over the last couple weeks and we'll keep you guys posted on what all is going on in soil health, but right now it's looking at those soil testing methods and uh, being able to trace that over time. Getting into this spring is a great time to be able to go out there and take soil health tests. Make sure that you have good soil conditions. Note that stuff. Look at where, you know, good soil moisture, not too dry, not too wet, um, decent soil temperature, decent um, last couple days of weather to get you a good consistent look at your soils. Okay, so do it very consistently. Sample multiple spots throughout your operation on the same day. Send them in right away. Don't hold on to them. They, things change way too much. It's a dynamic system. Those, those soils change. So go out there, take some samples, see where you're at. Um, we'd love to help out as well. You know, Let me or Trent know, and uh, we can definitely get you helped out. So, um, But the point is getting started and see where you're at, and let's, let's help each other improve together. So thanks for watching. And uh, stay tuned for, for much more coming from the Top Soul Podcast. Thanks.